It's a good day today. If y'all turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. I just want to look at a few verses this morning. Ask you a question while you're turning there. Are you happy with your walk in the Lord? Have you done everything that you know to do? Has God walk up and say, Lord, I've done everything you told me to do. You know, Paul was able to say that. He said, I finished, run the race, I finished my course. We know that as being human, Paul didn't do everything that he was supposed to do. We just might not know what all those things were. But uh, Paul's talking to Timothy and over in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he, he says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. He, he calls Timothy his son. And that's where I started out when I was looking at this message. And I remember the passage and I was just thinking about it. And, you know, on Father's Day. And, there's, and this is about as close as I get to Father's Day on the message. I want to let you all know right here. Because Timothy was his son in the faith. And, and, and I can tell you, and, and I've told you, when, when someone... When you have the opportunity to lead someone to, to the Lord, one of the greatest privileges and is to get to see them grow in the Lord. Or when, when you see them come back to the Lord, to get to be there to help them to walk in the Lord. And Paul here is writing to Timothy, and he's a young preacher. And we know this, but he's talking to a young preacher. And in chapter number two, he says, there, Thou therefore my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I don't think that there's an honest Christian alive who feels like he's doing everything that he should be or could be for the Lord. I mean, we, we all know ourselves better than anybody else does. You know, the warts. You know, the Bible's real good about pointing out warts and all. Even on the prophets, even the prophet Elijah who, who performed the miracle bringing the the, you know, God brought the fire down from the mountain. Even Elijah had suffered depression. He had given up. And, uh, but, uh, there's, there's self-help books out there. If, you, if you're not in church and I used to read them, you know, in the eighties, cause you know, in the eighties, it was a little bit of a prosperous time and everybody was trying to have a business. Everybody was trying to grow. And I, I I didn't I didn't have a father close by when I was growing up. I went other places to learn. But you know, going to self-help books and you learn about the power of positive thinking. There's a lot of danger in that, you know. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. If you can dream it, you can whatever rhymes with dream. You know, just it means you get it. And that power of positive thinking that people talk about. But uh, there is something to having a mindset for the things of the Lord. And as we read this passage today, I, I, I want you to think about that mindset. I, uh, a friend of mine, a mindset is an attitude. It's a way of looking at things that make you perform a certain way. There's a friend of mine. Uh, I worked with him for a number of years. And he was overweight. At one point, 
at one point or another, he'd alternate between, you know, I know he wouldn't mind, but I'm just going to mention my friend. At one point, he would alternate between 425 pounds and 375 pounds. He never let it stop him from working. You know, he, 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 was, he was a good worker. He did everything he could. But he set his mind to losing weight. And when he set his mind to losing weight, I've never seen anybody set their mind so strong toward losing weight. And when he did, he, uh, once he set his mind to it, his body followed suit. And it wasn't because he got up every day and thought then. But he set his mind toward losing weight, and he began to make things happen toward that goal of losing weight. And he looked at himself, and he said, you know, I'm not going to be able to do complex meals. You know, he's single, not going to be able to do complex meals. He's seen other people do diets, and they'd get all complex about it, and they'd lose some weight, but then they'd gain it back and things like that. He wanted to lose weight, period. And he got to reading and studying and researching on it. And he said, you know, all these diets have one thing in common. They reduce the amount of food that you eat. <laughs> I mean, there's exercise. But when you exercise, you're still going to want to cut back on the. I mean, you're not going to load up on a water burger, number one, and go jog and feel good about it. I mean, that's a gut bomb. But he, he looked at that and he said, they all have one thing in common. That's eating less food. And he looked at calories. And man, they got charts to tell you what, how many calories in this food and that food. And he said, I'm a single man. This ain't going to work. And he, said he had set his mind to it. And he said, this has the nutrition and calories. And he would eat that every single day. Over the course of three years, and, and he had set up his meal plan. He varied it a little bit. You know, sometimes it was a this kind of bar. Sometimes it was canned soup. You know, when that got old, he switched over. But he always looked at the calories. And he, he set a goal of 1,000 calories a day. That's tough. I don't know if too many people... Hey, I don't know that I could do it. <laughs> I like ice cream. But, uh... He, he did that, and he stayed at it, and it didn't happen overnight, you know. And there was times along the way when the body plateaus and gets used to it, and he, he would have to reconfigure the diet a little bit to kind of knock it back, you know. But uh, over the course of three years, that man went from being 425 pounds at his heaviest to 180 pounds. Today I call him Slim. I didn't call him big before. I just call him slim now. And, and seeing that, you know, and the thing about a Christian life and a Christian walk is a lot of people think it's just something that just happens. I'm saved and, and God's, you know, and I have preached that our power and our source of strength, and I'm going to preach it today, is through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you've got to set your mind to some things. And in this chapter, or in this few verses that we're going to read here, Paul gives four illustrations to Timothy. Really, it's three, but I want to add one to it there just to explain the introduction. But uh, he gives these illustrations 
of a Christian to Timothy. And, and when I looked at these, it's like these are mindsets. When, when you have this mindset in your Christian life, you begin to do things to improve your walk with the Lord. Y'all understand me when I say that? I understand that the grace comes from Jesus Christ. And I understand that our power comes from Jesus Christ. But, you know, there's a part in the Bible that says uh, over in James, it talks about draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. There's some steps that need to be taken. And over in, in other of the letters that Paul wrote, he said, you know, he, he gives you steps. He says, let this mind be in you. In other words, you have to con- be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he says over in Romans. So there's, there's a mindset that you need to have in order to draw closer to God. Because there's some things, when you have that mindset, you begin to remove things from your life that get in the way of your relationship with God. I just want to look at it. Be thinking about that as we read this, because we're going to be reading about the mindset of a minister, having the mindset of a soldier, having the mindset of an athlete, and having the mindset of a farmer. Read these verses with me. Second Timothy chapter number 2. He said, Paul said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses of the same, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Women, that applies to you too. I don't know if you get mad about it, but when the Bible talks about men, it's talking about you too, except when it comes to preaching. But you you still preach to other people. There I am getting in trouble all over again. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husband... The husbandman that laboreth must not must be first partaker of the fruits. So when we look at this, the mindset of a minister, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So the, the first thing is a minister needs to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our source, our source of strength is in Christ Jesus. Anything that we do, we can... You know, the, the, I'll give you this illustration, and it's a little bit of a long one, but, but I think it fits. There, have you ever heard of uh, Louis Zamperini? Louis Zamperini, during World War II, he was shot down by the Japanese. And for 47 days, him and the others in the plane with him floated on a life raft. For 47 days, they survived out there. Some of them died. They, for 47 days, drifted 2,000 miles on a life raft, and they were picked up by a Japanese vessel. Talk about out of the frying pan into the fire. And he was a prisoner for the remaining two years of the war. He was starved and tortured by his captors. At home, they gave him up for dead. When he had got home, he, he had his own death certificate in his possession. I imagine he framed it. But uh, 
signed by President Roosevelt. Zamperini said he left Japan in 1945 with hatred in his heart against his captors. There was a movie that came out a few years ago. The, the movie was called Unbroken. And I watched that movie. And it was a long movie, and it was, it was admirable. I mean, the, the things that he was unbroken, he, they, he didn't let them break him was the point of the story. And he had forgiveness for his captors at the end. Even though he had all the hatred in his heart, he was still able to forgive them and overcome that. And I watched that whole movie. But you know something I didn't know? I didn't know, number one, he was a former Olympic runner who ditched, let's see. He was a former Olympic runner. He, uh, when he got back, he was struggling to cope with his horrific experiences during his two years as a POW. Um, he had constant nightmares about the guard that, that beat him, that, that tortured him. And uh, when he got back, he, he was still under his control a lot, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I've, I've got a couple of friends that have been in the military, and it, I, I'm learning about PTSD. I'm, I'm kind of, it's hard for me to understand. But he, uh, filled with anger, anxiety, and hatred, Zamperini found solace in alcohol and concocting plans to return to Japan to murder the bird they called him. This was the only way Lewis felt he could finally be free of him. As he continued to draw into depression and alcoholism, he would also lash out unpredictably. Lewis was on the verge of losing his family. He said, I got married, I had a little girl, and I continued to drink and continued to party. My wife refused to go with me. Lewis said, pretty soon I found myself fading away to the point where I realized that I was in serious need of help. Y'all stay with me because I know you're wondering, how does this relate? So from brokenness to redemption, in 1949, Louis Zamperini grudgingly attended a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles at the urging of his wife. It was the first extended crusade event that Graham ever held, and it was the one which propelled him to become a nationally known figure. But in 1949, he was saved at one of Billy Graham's meetings in Los Angeles. He said, there was such a change in my life that I feel I have a duty to perform. Zamperini told his friends, that duty is to return to Japan and tell them of the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. For now, I believe it is Christ or communism for the nations, Christ or atomic annihilation for the world. Our only remedy for these threats is Christ for the individual. Amazingly, after his conversion, Zamperini's desire for vengeance left him completely. Lewis forgave his former captors and later met with many of them. He greeted them warmly and shared the gospel with them, and many accepted Christ. During a speaking tour of, in Tokyo in 1952, Lewis had the opportunity to meet with the prisoners of the Sugamo prison, Sugamo prison, which was filled with 850 Japanese war criminals. After speaking to the prisoners, Lewis had requested to meet with his former guards personally. He said, I looked out and saw them coming down the aisle, and of course I recognized each one of them vividly. I didn't even think of my reaction. I jumped off the stage, ran down, and threw my arm around them, and they withdrew from me. They couldn't understand my forgiveness. We went in the room, and there, of course, I continued to press the issue of Christianity, you see, and all but one made a decision for Christ. 
You know, I watched that whole movie. It was a two-hour movie. Never once knew the source of his power to forgive. To me, that would have been the lead. But uh, you'll never see how he was an alcoholic abusing his young wife if you watch the movie. You'll never hear about his salvation. You would never know that he got saved at a Billy Graham meeting and went home and poured out all his liquor. And you'll never know that the reason he forgave the prison guards is because Christ forgave him. So when Paul says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I talk about a mindset, I'm not talking about positive thinking. and I'm not talking about if you believe it, you can achieve it. I'm talking about power through the grace of Christ Jesus. He is our source of strength. And if you get away from that, you're getting away from the source. Now, I, I got to be honest. I, this guy had a website, a foundation. I didn't see Jesus' name anywhere on there. I saw a picture of him teaching a Bible study. I saw them trying to get into schools and teach a curriculum about, about hanging in there, about being tough, about redemption and forgiveness. I didn't see any mention of Jesus Christ. And, and they said when he saw the movie, he, he thought it was fine because he never wanted to push his religion on anybody. Let me tell you something. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And if you're afraid, it's not pushing your religion to tell them about Jesus Christ. We don't go out and we don't cut off heads and we don't, we don't imprison people for not believing in Jesus Christ. We go to the prisoners and tell them about Jesus Christ. We go to the captives to set them free. It's not pushing your religion to tell someone about Jesus Christ. And it's a shame that I watched two hours of a movie and had no idea who the source of his forgiveness was. There was an inner strength in him that made it through that that made it across the water, that made it through that prison experience. I get that. But the source, when he got over, when he got home, the source that got him over his alcoholism, the source that gave him the strength to go back to his captors and forgive them was Jesus Christ. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the thing that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I said, we're all ministers. We all have an obligation to be ministers to other people. And Paul's talking to a young preacher and he's telling them how to lead the church, but it applies to us too. He says, the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Timothy heard Paul preach. He heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he accepted Christ as his savior. And he heard Paul preach, and he heard him preach about forgiveness. He heard him preach about God. He taught, heard him preach about the commandments. He said, the things which thou hast heard of me, teach others. We should be willing to teach others. So many, if, if everybody wasn't hiding it under a bushel nowadays, we might not have some of the problems we've got. We might not have this big vacuum of people not knowing Jesus Christ. It amazes me. You know, this used to be the country that sent off missionaries. I think we needed America to send missionaries to us. But uh, y'all can get mad on that. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, receive the truth. In order to give the truth, you have to receive the truth yourself. If you're going to give the truth, you have to first, you first, if you're going to give the truth, you first have to spread the truth. 
And then he says, to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. You know, there comes a time, I've given the illustration before, as a, a, you know, in boot camp, I'll never forget, in that swimming pool and that Navy SEAL up there and them little shorts or whatever, but it was just awkward. But he said, you get into the swimming pool for the swimming test. He said, if you have trouble, because a lot of men lied to get in the Navy, right? He said, if you have trouble and you can't stay afloat, he said, you raise your hand. And he said, I'm going to, I'll take this pole and I'm going to ease it out to you. He said, now, if you grab this pole and start pulling on it, he said, you can have it. It's all yours because you're not going to pull me in. <laughs> you're not going to drown me when, you know, and, and the, the point is, you know, to men that are going to spread to God, there comes a point sometimes when, when you, you just have to move on. You know, everybody is in their own walk with the Lord, and sometimes they're on their way away from the Lord. And we, while we can, some, sometimes all we can do is pray for people when they get away from God. But we can't let them stop us from being able to reach people. And that's my point. Because sometimes they can pull you in too. You know, if, if they're resisting, that's what I mean. You can't, you can't shove the gospel onto somebody and force them to accept it. You can't lead a horse to water and make it drink. You know, so they begin to pull you in. You, you got to just give them the pole because they'll pull you down. But if somebody is trying, give it all you got. Teach them. Help them to move on. He said, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. When you learn something, it's for the sake of teaching someone else too. It's about the man beside you. Which leads us to our next point, the mindset of a good soldier for Jesus Christ. A good soldier must endure. I came across a song this week that I hadn't heard. It's been out since 1983. And it's called, I Was Only 19. Y'all ever heard that? It's sung by an Australian, and it's about the Anzac, the Australian New Zealand Army Corps, I guess it is. And it's a song about going to Vietnam. And it's a song about taking, you know, where your next step could be your last one on two legs. And it just, it talks about losing a friend right beside you. It talks about the surprise of war. It talks about going home and, and having to deal with that. You know, Dr. Kenny, you Tell the meaning of this rash that comes and goes. You know, can you tell me why the Channel 7 helicopter sends me into chills? You know, and he talked about most of his time was getting in and out of helicopters. And that song, I listened to it, and, it, you know, I said I've been trying to understand. My time in the Navy, you wouldn't call it rough. I mean, unless you just don't like handling a mop. You know, I spent a lot of time in the Caribbean. I spent a little bit of time going through the Panama Canal was my big accomplishment as far as sea tour. You know, three months out at sea, we kept going to Guantanamo, 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 Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Guantanamo, Puerto Rico, Rhode Island. You know, I saw North America in my time in the Navy. So it's hard for me to imagine somebody that had to go to sleep and wake up every morning in that. And a soldier has to endure a lot of things. He says here, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't promise us an easy walk. 
I know there's a lot of reasons to preach positive, and I'm not trying to bring you down, but I'm telling you also that there's going to be times. I don't, I don't want you to get mad and say, well, you know, this parachute's uncomfortable. I'm just going to throw it off. I'm just going to throw it on the ground because this being a Christian, this, is, this isn't what it's cracked up to be. Well, let me tell you, it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have disagreements. And I was talking to Didi, you know, and it, it can be, it can, it can make you uncomfortable around friends. It can make it uncomfortable around family when you have a testimony for Jesus Christ and you want to maintain that testimony and they have no idea why you want to do that. They have no idea the source of your strength. And sometimes they'll try to pull you away, but you have to endure hardness as a good soldier. You know, a good soldier is there. He's always there. I remember in the Navy and boot camp, you know, one of the things they taught me is you don't have to be comfortable in this world. <laughs> it's a simple lesson. That first night of boot camp in San Diego, I could have swore I'd been there two weeks the next morning. <laughs> I'd been there one night. I, I was like, this is about the most inefficient place, inefficient place on earth. We get here and we're sitting out here for what must be four hours waiting for what comes next. It's like, what are we waiting for? We were waiting to wait. You know, knowing what I know now, the company commanders were probably in there drinking coffee and talking about the football game. You know, and then they would, they would make you, you know, you stood in that line for however long, and if you, and hey, if you sat down, get up. You know, you learn to stand and watch four hours in one position. Those guys that do it at the tomb of the unknown soldier, they do it with pride. That's, that's a lot. Shut down your, you don't shut down your mind. It's still there. But you're enduring it. And there's things that you endure for Christ. Sometimes you got to endure a preacher. <laughs> I'm just being funny. But, I mean, you, it's a mindset. It's a mindset for a soldier that when he goes to bed, by the end of boot camp, I had an alarm clock in my head. I didn't have to have one by the bed. I could say, well, I need to get up in two hours because I, I was planning a trip to Disney World. I never forget this, you know, planning my first trip to Disney World. This was doing this on my own, you know. I'm sure a lot of y'all were adults at, at 17 or whatever, but here I was planning my trip. And I said, I need to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning so I can go to the bus. I laid down. I woke up at 6 o'clock. No alarm clock, you know. As, as Christians, when we have a mindset to do the things of God, it, it happens. You, you make things happen, just like my friend did with losing weight. Enduring hardness as a soldier. Those inconvenient times, those times when the pressure's on, or I'm, you can name any number of things. Um, when you're witnessing, when you're afraid that somebody's... Uh, not with you on the same page when you're telling them about Jesus Christ. You work through it. I know some of this is weak. I had, in, in researching for illustrations, I had a lot more horrible illustrations. I, and what I mean by horrible is, is things that you wouldn't want to tell in church. Because when you read about what the soldiers go through, I mean, waking up in the sand, waking up in the jungle... I mean, walking around with wet feet for three days, four days. You know, there's a reason that they get time back at the, at the rear. But Paul endured suffering as a soldier. 
Paul looked at his life as not his own. You know, when you go in the military, one of the things they tell you, if you're married, your wife didn't come in your seat bag. <laughs> and, you know, a soldier has to be ready to move. A soldier has to be ready to perform his duty in spite of what's going on on the home front. He has to be able to put that out of his mind in order to carry on. How does that work, you say, in the Christian life? That sounds a little harsh. I don't know. He said, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I mean, how many times does a thorn in our toe take us out? Just as an illustration. Oh, Lord, I can't do that because... Well, I can't, I can't do that because he says, verse number four, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. A soldier that is constantly worried about everything else will get, get injured and get those around him injured. We, we can get caught up. And I know I'm, I'm a kind of a, Junkie with the news that's going on right now. It's, I, I get, that shouldn't be admitted, huh? Get afraid to look away because it's happening so quick. But that's not where our life in Christ is. Our eyes on Jesus Christ, he's the rock. The storm blows, the wind blows, the water blows, but our eyes on Jesus Christ, he's our rock. It says endure hardship as a soldier, and he says, no man that go to war entangleth himself. You know, I remember when I was in the Navy, and I, I didn't, well, I did have an apartment for a little while, but I had to leave all that in the storage. You, you sleep on that ship, you get what's called a coffin locker. I don't know what it is now, but you had a coffin locker. You slept on your, your bunk was your locker, and they gave you a little one beside you, you know. Now, us being a reserve ship, we could get a little extra locker here and there because we didn't have that many people. But you open up that locker and everything you own is right there. You might have possessions elsewhere, but everything that you needed was right there. Your clothes, they taught you how to fold them in a certain way so that everything would fit in there. And you didn't get loaded down with a bunch of other junk. You might have a radio or something, but you were always ready to load up that sea bag and be able to go where they told you to. I know y'all are trying to think, how does this apply to me? Am I supposed to just not have a house and all this? No, no, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you don't let it hold you back when God tells you to do something. You know, we get possessions and they tend to hold us back. You get that new, and I know, you get a camper, and it's like, well, I need to take that thing out. There's a little pressure to take it out. You get a boat, you got to maintain it. You know, the, the two best days in a man's life. When he buys a boat and when he sells it. (laughs) Anything that you take on, it it creates obligation. And sometimes we can create obligation that keeps us from serving God. So no man who warreth a war, warreth, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. He is the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ is, it says over in Hebrews. And he says, and number, number three, so there's the mindset of a minister. There's the fact of receiving the gospel, giving the gospel, teaching others about Christ who will be faithful to teach others also. 
the mind of a minister. Then there's the mind, mindset of a soldier, enduring hardship and uh, not entangling yourself in the affairs of this life. And then verse number five says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. So we have the mindset of an athlete. Paul talks about running a race and Paul talks about doing this. But you know, and, and there was a lot of examples of this. I just didn't write it down, you know, but there, there have been men that played in golf tournaments worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that the ball moved a little bit. And he, he didn't have to admit that the ball moved. And, and by admitting it, he was costing himself a bogey. But he admitted it because he had integrity. Sometimes it costs you something. But uh, the mindset of an athlete, he says... He says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. Striving for mastery. An athlete makes a decision to get up in the morning and to exercise. A runner, a track runner, will make a decision, and he will strive to master his body. He will, he will eat what it takes. He will, he will do what it takes to make that happen. He will set his mind toward that goal. And that's what we're talking about is a mindset. The athlete will, will exercise. The athlete will eat right. The athlete will get up in the morning. How does that apply to me as a Christian? It's feeding on the word of God. That's the right diet. It's actually getting up in the morning to read the word of God. You know, if, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy, period. So it, he, is, he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. I come back to this. It's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. Well, we can do this. It's a little bit shady, but we'll be able to do this when we're done. It's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. And that hurts. It hurts to, when when you know you could have been past something, but it, it hurts to do it right. But in the end, it was done right, and it doesn't come back at you. Um, and then there's the mindset on the athlete strives for a crown, the mindset of a farmer. Matthew Henry says, if we would be partakers of the fruits, we must labor. If we would gain the prize, we must run the race. And further, we must labor as the husbandman does with diligence and patience. Before we are partakers of the fruit, we must do the will of God before we receive the promises. He says in verse number six, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. The husbandman was the one that, that raised grapes. They had the vineyard. that took care of it. Noah was a husbandman. But a farmer in that sense, the mindset of a farmer, a farmer doesn't get instant results. I remember the first and last garden I ever planted. <laughs> but I tell you, it was something watching those little green shoots come up. And it was something watching those little tomatoes come out. They weren't big, but you're proud of them. I mean, it's just, they came out of this little seed. And they grow, and there's these little shoots, and you watch that thing, and keep the weeds off of it, you know, and, and you take care of that thing, and you watch it grow, and you watch those little leaves come out. Oh, there we go. And, you, and it's a patient thing. 
And for the farmer, he plants the field and he knows and he he has to take care of it and he has to, to watch over it. But he knows that when those shoots come up and then when it grows, he knows it'll grow into a crop that he can then harvest and sell. And that if that'll feed his family, that that'll take care of him. In our Christian walk, when you have the mindset of a mindset of a minister, the mindset of a soldier, the mindset of an athlete, the mindset of a farmer, when you spread the gospel and you see those shoots take place and you see the fruit start to come up and you see the life start to change, I mean, there's just a satisfaction in that. And he said, he said the husbandman should be the partaker of the first fruits. He's the one that gets to go out into the field before it's harvest, and he's the one who gets to try it. There's another aspect of that that I'd like y'all to think about that's not necessarily there. But I don't know if it applies necessarily as far as this illustration goes to this particular passage, you know, but a chef should taste his own food. What I mean by that is there's, there's chefs that just prepare stuff and they send it out. When you're teaching someone and you're giving them the gospel or when you're, when you're learning, you should be partaking of your own food. It's not just a matter of giving out the gospel and reciting words. It's a matter of are you partaking of the food in your own kitchen? Are you tasting it? So I know this was a little devotional message this morning. Sometimes it's like that, though, isn't it? But it's having a mindset for the things of God. It's having a mindset. You know, I've talked about turning to the Lord and and asking God to to help you with something. But, you know, I want to point out the balance in that, and that's that you also need to set your mind toward drawing closer to God. And that's the crux of this message. Set your mind toward the things of God. It doesn't happen by accident. So if you'll stand as she plays.